from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to Fearfully and Wonderfully Me, a podcast for women on leadership and life skills with Rhea Story. Rhea shares powerful life and leadership principles, helping you maximize your potential and become the woman God created you to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast. Today, I have a special guest and my friend, Marianne Otley. Marianne is the founder of Love Triumphs, a community of women dedicated to living in freedom from the pain of the past. Marianne, welcome to the podcast. Ria, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you. Oh, I'm excited because you and I had kind of, um, we've known each other for a while. It's been quite a few years ago we met, but we kind of just haven't talked in some time. And so I was so excited to see all of the wonderful things that you have going on that God has going on in your life. So I can't wait to to dig in. And I know our listeners are really going to find a lot of value in your story. So Thank you. um, first off, tell me about Love Triumphs, because I know this has been on your heart for a long time. Love triumphs is really a message that God was revealing to me as I was overcoming childhood sexual abuse. And it really came from a song that God gave me about me sighing, I sighed and you heard. Mm. I cried and you answered me. He lied and I believed he tried to steal my destiny, but love triumphed against my foe. And when he gave me that song in my heart, that became the theme of everything I was doing is that his love really does triumph. And so uh, that love triumphs the community really was born out of the COVID pandemic, women being isolated and alone, needing connection. And so we started a love triumphs Zoom prayer room. And that was last March. And it's just been growing and growing as women are connecting, connecting to God, connecting to their stories, falling in love with each other and that, that's how it started. And then my book, of course, is called Love Triumphs. Yeah, so, so tell us about the book. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, what I've been finding is I've been um, working and loving and praying with women who are overcoming childhood sexual abuse is that oftentimes they have a really difficult time articulating what happened um, how they feel about it, how they feel about themselves. And mm. it, as you and I know, those are really important components to healing is to really be able to express how you feel, how you felt, um, and be able to put that on the table because those emotions and feelings and memories take room in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. Mm. As we can articulate them, get them on the table, there's room for, for God to come in and heal, for love, for friendship, community, and so um, I wanted to create a story where I could share what happened to me without all the pornographic details, but with the, more of the emotional details. So you kind of see a stream of consciousness that as I'm 13, 14 years old and I'm experiencing abuse, you're seeing my thoughts of how I'm feeling about the moment, how I feel about myself. And you can see that there was a shift that one day I was a kid that was babysitting and like to go with my friends and buy my own clothes. And, uh, and the next day I'm living in the twilight zone and mm. I don't know who to trust and I don't like myself. And I feel like I have to earn uh, relationships. And so I really wanted to help for somebody who had a sister, um, a brother, a mom, and said, I don't, I don't get her, you know, <laughs> or mm -hmm. someone who was right. just trying to work through their own feelings. I was hoping 
to create a story where they can see that this is how you felt, this is where you were, and this is where God is bringing you. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about that, that insight, because a lot of, a lot of people who haven't been through something extremely traumatic just don't really know the perspective. And so it's difficult to empathize. It's not that they don't want to, it's just that they don't really understand. So I think that's important. Um, That's, you know, it really can be a, a a mindset shift and saying, Oh, now I understand a little bit better. So well, tell us a a, a little bit. I know um, you, you had some uh, history of, of being abused by people you trusted. And I know that that's incredibly traumatic. And I know just because I've known you and talked to you in the past a little bit, that, that, that was a struggle in your life to overcome. So are you comfortable speaking to that? Yes, absolutely. Love to. Uh, the, the, I was abused by my dentist and uh, by a couple boys in school. And I really uh, was traumatized by the dentist to a degree, but I went on, I stuffed it and didn't remember it. Mm. But when I was abused by my dad, that was a game changer. That was um, my, my whole world turned upside down. It was like the floor just went out from underneath my feet. And I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know what to trust. And I just didn't understand why I was causing this. Mm-hmm. And when my dad left the room the first night, a voice spoke to me and I thought the voice was God. And the voice said, you must really be bad for something like this to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I thought I must be. So from that point on, the secret inside was I'm bad and I cause bad things to happen and I've got to make up for that. Mm-hmm. And so for years, I had this secret that I carried that I'm really bad. If you really got to know me, you'd be bad. And so if anybody really liked me, I always thought there's something wrong with that person. Um, And I would always move on to somebody else or something else. Um, That created depression, anger, resentment, bitterness, shame, guilt, fear. I, by the time I was in my twenties, I had a weekend cocaine habit, uh, drank myself to sleep every night, smoked two packs of marble lights a day and just felt like this pinball that was in a pinball machine, just bouncing Mm from crisis to crisis to crisis. Um, and uh, then one night when it, there, like the ultimate crisis happened and I literally just cried out to the stars, what is real? What's important and what's the truth? I am 32 years old and everything I put my fingers on goes to hell mm. and everything I relationship breaks up there's nothing I can do that is any good. So what, what can I count on? And I wasn't expecting an answer from this, <laughs> from this, from that cry. And I got one. It was the craziest thing out of nowhere. Um, bubbling inside of my stomach came the Lord's prayer. And I had memorized it as a little girl in school. And I was, I was, it was coming up and it would, I would, I would say our father. And I'm like, I don't want a father who are in heaven. Is there really a heaven? Hollywood be thy name. I don't even know what Hollywood means. <laughs> thy kingdom come. It's like, is this Disney? Thy will be done. And I'm, all of a sudden I'm starting, well, do I get to choose my own clothes? You know, and I'm talking to this prayer and I, I couldn't stop saying it. And then um, that's, I, I think I said that prayer 50 times a day. Mm, wow. And, then it just over and over and over. And then um, things began to change. That's when 
crying out genuinely for an answer and getting that prayer was when things began to shift. You know, one of the things I talk about, particularly on the, the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, is that I believe a big part of healing is owning our story, even though it's a painful story sometimes, oftentimes, right? We, we've all experienced adversity in life, but I, but I think that as until we own our story, it owns us. And I'm curious to, to see if that's been part of your healing journey as well. Absolutely. What happened um, is that the next week, mm -hmm. I'm working in an organization, a training organization, and um, I, my life is starting to change. I'm starting to see people who are really valuing what they do and they're valuing helping people be better versions of themselves. Mm. And as I'm seeing this, I'm, I'm seeing, well, there, there is a better way. Um, and then uh, over time in that position, I met a man, we were training together. And we, uh, after a long day's work, we stopped for dinner before we went our separate ways and went home. And he asked me if I knew, if, what did I think about God? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I guess there's a God, I guess somebody had to create us. And he said, what do you think about Jesus? And even though I was praying this prayer secretly, I was like, Jesus, listen, when I was a little girl, I tried Jesus, but Jesus doesn't work. And I really mm. wanted just to stop the conversation. And he looked at me and just cocked his head and said, love doesn't work for you, Marianne. So I asked him, what does love have to do with Jesus? And he right. said, well, you can travel the world. You can research every religion. You'll never find a God that left his throne and became us. Nowhere will you find that. Mm -hmm. You'll never find a God that allowed himself to be belittled, hated, you know, beaten to a core, hung naked on a tree, just to redeem people back to himself. He has mm -hmm. everything to do with love. And I don't know who hurt you but it wasn't him. And I thought, well, all the, all my life I heard, well, you know, God allows things to happen for a reason. And I think, well, there isn't reason enough for what mm. happened to me. Right. That, that, right. What kind of God would do that? And this is, a, this was another message where um, he didn't, he didn't want you to. So I asked him if he didn't want that to happen to me, then things to happen. I'm wondering why there are certain things that did happen to me when I was a young girl, horrific things. And he said, well, I can tell you that wounded and broken and lost people did that to you, not God. And if you mm -hmm. run from God, you're going to run from the only person that can heal you. And he really got my attention. And so I said, okay, I'll try him. And that was my, my start to trying God and getting to know the power of Jesus's love. And that man is now my husband. Wow. <laughs> what a testimony. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's just, yeah, that's incredible uh, interesting how, when we are, when we start to be open to the possibilities, we find them, right. You had that shift in your heart. And then suddenly, like you said, life just started getting better, like right away. Yes. Wow. I, I love that. Um, I know um, you, you talk about a particular person in your life, um, Elsie, who has been very powerful in your journey. So I'd love for you to share how that's um, all that, all of that and how that came about. Yes. So I was still very, um, I, I would say arrogant and ignorant, right? And Tom and I got married. We had children. We were, um, you know, practicing Christians. 
Um, but I really didn't have the, the power of God's love inside him. I didn't have insight into that until I met Elsie. So mm. Tom and I were having trouble. I mean, I'm like in my late 30s, early 40s, late 40s, and all of a sudden the abuse is coming up. Memories are coming up. And I'm like, don't touch me. Why are you touching me? Leave me alone. This is, this is bad. This is wrong. And he's like, Marianne, you're my wife. I love you. We have three right. children. This is good. You know, like, no, it's not. We've got to pray. So in answer to prayer, God sent Elsie. And it was it happened in the strangest way. We were at a prayer meeting at, at, under the arch in St. Louis. And she came up to me and said, I can help you with your deliverance. Now, Elsie was in her late 70s. She had rheumatoid arthritis and our fingers go straight. Her fingers were completely curved. And I thought arrogantly, well, when you get deliverance, you can help me get deliverance. I was a completely arrogant. And um, I was very offended by that statement that anybody would think I needed deliverance. And I let it go. And um, Tom and I found ourselves in a conference where um, a gentleman named Craig Hill wrote a book called Ancient Paths that talked about the ancient paths of God are a path of blessing. And that God designed the family where the father would bless the children by blessing their identity, mm -hmm. where he would speak or act in a way that you would know you're loved, you're chosen, you're challenged, you're cherished, you're valued, you know, you, you have purpose, you have a destiny. And I became undone in this conference. I was sobbing because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my dad missed it. Mm. He missed the boat. He could have blessed us. And I think he really would have wanted that. So we break into prayer rooms and guess who's the prayer leader in my prayer room? Uh, was it Elsie? Elsie. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is wild. So uh, she just smiles at me and I smile at her and I sit down and I am, I'm crying and she pulls a chair up in front of me. There are about 12 women in our, uh, 12 people in our, our room. And she holds my hands and she says, sweetheart, it looks like the Holy Spirit is highlighting something for you. Um, would you like to talk to us? And I said, I don't know why I'm crying. I, I just can't stop crying. Said, right. Well, tell us how you feel. And I said, I, this sounds silly because I'm like in my late forties and I think I'm in trouble. I really feel like I'm in trouble. I feel like I've done something really wrong. And I, I feel like my mom is going to be mad at me. Mm. <laughs> like I was 13, 14 again. All Isn't those it? emotions just coming back up. Yes. I feel like my dad's in trouble. I feel so afraid. I feel guilty. I'm so ashamed. And she said, okay, sweetheart, let's tell God these things. So she didn't diagnose me. She didn't prescribe a solution. She just simply said, Jesus, Mary Ann is afraid. She's ashamed. She feels like she's in trouble. And as I heard her tell God what I told her, I felt so validated for the first time. I felt so understood that I couldn't wait to hear what he said. Mm -hmm. I just knew that something was happening here. And so she said, Lord, what do you want Marianne to know? And boom, I'm back in the memory of being in the room where my dad came in the first night. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I cannot go here. And she said, sweetheart, this is, this is the way. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants me to go here and I, I just going to make it worse. I can't go here. And she said, trust me, let's just ask Jesus. What does he want you to know? 
So I go close my eyes. I'm back in that memory. And I'm like, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And boom, Jesus is in the room. The room is flooded with light. I had never felt more safe in my life. And he's glowing and he's glorious and he's beautiful and nobody's in trouble. Nobody's going to get in trouble. You know, he's not ashamed. He's, he's just there. So I told her, Jesus is in the room. He's in the room. And then I felt something else. There was someone else in the room with Jesus, dad and I in this memory. And she said, who is it? And I looked behind, behind my dad was a nine foot wasp-like roach-like demon. And Rhea, mm. this demon was so disgusting. I wanted to vomit. He was so putrid and ugly and, and, and demonic and merciless. And I told her, this is what has tormented me all my life. Mm. I recognize how I feel around it. And she said, Jesus, what do you want to do with this nine foot roachy like waspy like demon? And I'm thinking he's going to crush Jesus, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's all over, right? But no, Jesus just took a push pin and poked him in the center of his being and he pinned him to the wall. Wow. Yeah, it was it. And so I, um, I told Elsie, I have my eyes closed. I'm back in the mm -hmm. memory. And it's like, Jesus just pinned him to the wall. And uh, Jesus, when I'm telling Elsie that Jesus looks at me and said, he'll never torment you again. Mm. And he never has. That torment ended that day. And um, so Elsie said, let's keep praying. Jesus, what do you want Marianne to know about her father? And I thought he would say, vengeance is mine. Leave mm. it to me. I will repay. Um, but he didn't. He didn't say a thing. I just looked at him looking at my dad who now with that with that demon gone i saw my dad as a broken person who was just as confused about life as i was and i saw i saw jesus just love him and the love that i saw that he had for my dad was contagious because mm. i was really bitter and resentful against dad for so many reasons. And when I saw the love that Jesus had for dad, I began having hope for dad. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's going to be okay. And so I told Elsie, he loves dad. He loves them. I want to love like that. Mm -hmm. And so she said, um, Jesus, who is Marianne to you? So I'm like, back in the memory, remembering the words, you must really be bad. And I'm thinking, I can't bear to hear that again. That oh. was too much. And she said, she knew, she made the connection that it was the demon that said that. But of course, I had not still. And she said, um, let's trust him. So I'm like, okay, Lord, who do you say I am? And I'm clenching my feet. I'm just ready for him to say, girlfriend, if you could just get with the program, if you could just level up, you know, mm. I can squeak you in, but you've got to cooperate. I'm just waiting for a lecture, right? And, and he just stands in front of me with this beautiful gown, like you would a five-year-old girl. And he placed this glowing gown on me. And I, I, it, it felt pure. I felt pure for the first time. He put this little crown on my head like I was a little girl just ornate engraved just for me very modest 
fit on my head perfectly. And I just, I could feel myself straightening up. He put a ring on my finger. I felt owned. I felt, I like, felt like I'm owned by goodness. You know, the worthlessness and all that, it's not gonna touch you anymore. And then he put sandals on my feet and I just felt firm. Like that, that floor that gave way before it is mm-hmm. now I have a ground to stand on. And he said, who are you to me? Well, you're my princess. And I just began to weep. Mm. I wept. I, I, my husband was sitting next to me in this prayer room and I leaned against him and I sobbed. I hard, hard sobs for, I know a good 20 minutes, just getting all the pain, the grief, the shame, the guilt, the distress, the disappointment, the discouragement, getting it all out. Mm. And that's when I knew I'm a new creature that scripture began to come to life and I have a new purpose. And that really is to let every woman who's ever been abused know that they've got to meet him. Yeah. (laughs) You have to meet him. Yeah. It's, you know, as I listen to what you're saying, you know, I can relate to so many points of your story and that feeling of, and not just myself, just so many women that I've worked with or talked to or spoke to and, not just women too, but, but men as well. But when someone goes through abuse or trauma or something like that, it's very easy for us to, to form our identity as there must be something wrong with me. Right. And realizing that we can push that away. We don't have to let what happens define the rest of our life is powerful. Now it influences us. There's no doubt, right. We all have our, our scars, but but those scars can heal and we can be stronger because of what we went through uh, rather than bitter uh, about it. And I think that's one of the things that just shines from you. And, and, you know, as I'm hearing you talk and speak, I just have that, that, that sense that you are just so completely confident in that owning your worth and stepping into God created me and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's like putting a stake in the ground. Um, When I realized that I was going to counseling for two decades to try to find out what was wrong with me so I could fix it Mm. and to find out that there isn't anything wrong with me, what was wrong was what happened to me and that that their struggle and that, that person's challenges and their bondage to whatever wickedness or evil um, wasn't because of me. That was their problem, Mm. their struggle, and they have to own it. They have to deal with it, but I need my life back. Yeah. And that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by a good God and good things are going to happen. And uh, that's something I think you do finally get to a point where you're saying, I'm grabbing that. I'm, I'm taking it. It's mine. And (laughs) I'm not letting anybody take it again. Oh, that is so wonderful. I just see that that there again, I just see that sense of joy and, and peace um, that you're, you've stepped into this. And it's always amazing to me how God can, you know, doesn't cause the pain in our lives, but he can use it. And I think that's a beautiful thing that, that you've just allowed him to use that in such a good way with your ministry and um, all of the things, your book and all, all sharing your testimony really um, and what you're doing. So that's exciting. I just love to see that. You. Um, you know, there's one other person in your life that you talked about that I heard, I've heard you talk about that was very powerful. Um, and just share a little bit about your friend, Helen. Helen. Okay. So um, I was really uh, 
trying to escape my pain in my early teenage years, I left Saint, the St. Louis area. I moved to Chicago with uh, my aunt and uncle and um, th thought I could leave it all behind and just found that wherever I went, it came with me. Mm. Helen was my first friend that I met in Chicago. And Helen was a, uh, a born again believer, believing in Jesus, believing in his love. And I was so attracted to her kindness and the joy that she had in she did, she had a tough life. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but there's just some, a joy that she had. And she was always loving to me, always kind, always accepting. And, um, she was getting ready to be married and, um, she had a boyfriend and I started to get connected to a guy I had no business being with, mm -hmm. but this guy, um, it's how I really got involved in, uh, snorting cocaine and, and drinking, uh, drinking and smoking. And he told me, you have to make a decision, Helen or me, because I would say, now Helen doesn't says we shouldn't be sleeping together. And Helen says we shouldn't be, I shouldn't be living with you. And he goes, you got to make a decision. So when I knew that Helen was in love and she was going to get married and she was going to be busy, I said, okay, I'm going to go with you. Hmm. So I disconnected from Helen to a degree. And 10 years later, when I had met Tom, my husband, and I came to know the Lord, I tried to find Helen, but we didn't have the internet then. And we didn't have, you know, caller ID. <laughs> Some so, people don't remember that, so, but <laughs> we're that old. <laughs> and um, I, I remembered her brother-in-law had a real estate firm. So I contacted him. He helped me get in touch with her. And I said, Helen, I came to know the Lord. And she said, Mary Ann, I've been praying for you for 10 years. Wow. And I How knew. did you feel? <laughs> I like, do, 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 do. like all of a sudden you're just memories that, how did I get out of that? You know, you, you know, when you get saved, you're like, how did I get out of that? And how did I not mm -hmm. die? You know, it's like he, she told me that God would tell her, wake her up at four 30 in the morning and say, get on your knees. She needs prayer. <laughs> and she was faithful. She got on her knees and she just prayed whatever he told her to pray for me. And I really believe that her prayers covered me. I believe mm. that prayer is such a mystery and you and I know that it's real. Um, it produces amazing results and uh, God is, it activates God in a way that I, I, I don't understand. I just know it's real. And so, um, yes. So Helen is such a big part of my story. Now she and I are connected and we have been for the last decade and we pray often and um, she's a, she's a blessing and a gift. Mm. Yeah, that stop praying for people. Absolutely. We all we all should be fortunate to have a Helen in our life. But I love what you said earlier about we should all be a Helen for someone else, too. And I, I that was pretty profound. It struck me as like, yeah, we we can be Helens to other people. Right. And be that support, even when the relationship isn't very close for a long time. Maybe sometimes um, sometimes we reconnect with people. And it's really amazing, Rhea. I, I couldn't agree with you more that she may have even had more faith not seeing me than seeing mm. what I was what I was coping with because she brought faith to the table. And also, I think she, because of that, she had faith that God could reach my heart. It wasn't about she had to pray hard. It was like God touch her, reach her. And it really has given me a new prayer perspective that when I'm praying now, it's really God's work. Would you please touch that heart and bring them to you so they can have a life, mm. so they, they can have forgiveness, so they can move on. So yes, be a Helen. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Marian, thank you for sharing your testimony and your story. I know that there are people out there that need to hear what you have to say and, and can relate so much to your experience. So I just, you know, I just know what you're doing is so powerful in the lives of so many women. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you or find out more about your book or your, your prayer group or anything, how can they do that? How can they reach you? Uh, first of all, the Facebook page is called Love Triumphs. Please connect, and um, I'd love to reach out with you. If you would like to connect to any prayer rooms, uh, please private message me through Love Triumphs. Um, my website is lovetriumphs.com, and on the website, I have some free resources, and one of them is a, a downloadable, printable, free downloadable printable about your identity in Christ. I would encourage you to print it and start speaking it that I am chosen, I am loved, I'm valuable, I'm prized, I'm rescued, I'm redeemed. I think those statements, speaking the truth over ourselves is so important. So it's Love Triumphs Facebook page and lovetriumphs.com is the website. That's awesome. And the book is coming out just any minute now, it sounds like. So yes. that <laughs> thank you for your help in that, Rhea. You're amazing. Oh, I'm just so excited to see what God is doing, um, you know, through our lives. That's what it is, is, is not necessarily from us, but from God and, and through us. And that's that's the joy and the beauty of it. So awesome. Well, Marianne, we could talk all day. And I know you have so many amazing more parts to your testimony that we didn't get into. But, you know, hey, for my listeners, you, you can always get the book and then you can hear the rest of the story, so to speak. So thank you again for sharing your um, your test and testimony with us so appreciate it thank you Rhea take care thank you bye-bye Start increasing your influence and maximizing your potential with Rhea's audiobooks. Available at audible.com, amazon.com, and iBooks. Please visit RiaStory.com to learn about Rhea's books, resources, speaking, and training programs. Thanks for listening.